0: The Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs are matching up in the AFC Championship game, but how good of a matchup are the Chiefs actually for the Ravens? Let's talk about that and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens. We're your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast here. I'm your host, Kevin Ostraker of Ravens Wire, coming to you from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for being here making Lockdown Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes in video form, on YouTube, and audio form, wherever you decide to get your shows there. Today's episode of Lockdown Ravens brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to you faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast here Monday through Friday, plus some bonus content as well. And it's exciting here. Ravens and Chiefs matching up in the AFC Championship game as Kansas City escapes Buffalo in a game that I don't think any team wanted to win at the end. There, multiple crazy plays, and obviously Tyler Bass missing wide right. Ken McKusick of Film Study, Film Study Ravens, he's here with us today to break down the Chiefs plus divisional takeaways from Baltimore's big, honestly, dominant win over the Texans. Ken, it's an exciting time to be in Baltimore right now. First championship game for the Ravens in their franchise history. And They earned it after getting punched in the mouth late in that first half against the Texans. They came out with a fire in that second half.
1: Fire in their eyes. Very much like the second half at New England in the 2012 playoffs where they beat the Patriots 21-0 after the Patriots had gone into the locker room up 13-7. Very impressive second half. Um, I think so many narratives were destroyed by the results of this game. All of the nobody can make adjustments, and Harbaugh doesn't make adjustments. As if Harbaugh is the one really making most of the adjustments at halftime. Uh, all the commentary about Lamar and the haters there, and the ridiculous stuff that's gone on. Uh, the rest versus rust narrative is gone now. So a lot of the things uh, gone, and I'm and I'm happy to see them go.
0: Yeah, I think this officially kind of puts to bed the 2019 Ravens narrative and kind of everything that was getting talked about with that too. Which I'm I'm very glad to move past that. And it's essentially, you can't rewrite that history, but you can add a new chapter that kind of yeah. makes that other history part irrelevant. And that's what I think the Ravens are doing here, which I was impressed with because you mentioned the second half adjustment, something that, especially offensively, we didn't really see a ton of that from Greg Roman during his tenure in Baltimore. Todd Munkin, I think, has been a breath of fresh air. Now, there were some offensive adjustments with Roman, but I think with people seeing what Munkin has done, he even said it after the game, he said, I'm glad we play a full 60 minutes. I'm glad, I'm glad we don't play 30. And that's big. What offensive adjustments did you see? And maybe what can they take into the Chiefs game based off where they found success?
1: Yeah, I think there are some things they can definitely take into the Chiefs game. The Chiefs, we don't know what sort of pressure they're going to try and bring on Lamar. But Lamar, what he was successful doing the second half was getting the ball out quickly, often enough that that set him up for some other ATS throws. Uh, did a good job with both. And uh, uh, I thought that in particular, the, the ball out quick throws in the second half, uh, provided a good alternative to the run game. Run game was highly misdirection based. I thought that was that was extremely successful with a big play on that fourth and one near the 50 yard line, uh, where Lamar ran misdirection and the entire uh defense of the of the Houston Texans had committed to the inside to to try and stop that run. Uh, it was well sold and it was very well executed obviously by Lamar.
0: And speaking of how the Texans defended him, I think we saw multiple plays where earlier the Texans decided to not spy him. You know, they would drop guys back in the linebackers, and we saw him take advantage of that by taking the ball running up. I think he had, what, a 27, 28, 20-plus 20 yard run on one of them. And then they did dec- decide to spy him later in the game, and I think it worked in the, at the end of the first half But they came out. What did you see about how Houston defended Lamar and kind of where it shifted for the offense? Because I thought Lamar was taking advantage of what was given to him in the second half, but we didn't see glimpses of it in the first half.
1: Yeah, I mean, a couple things really worked well for them in the first half for for Houston. They came on some delayed blitzes and some stunts, and in particular Simpson got caught with his pants down a couple times and, and got charged with two full sacks. By the way, very rare. an interior lineman to be charged with a complete sack in my system uh you know it's usually there's somebody else at fault also but in both these cases these were cases where simpson had to pick up a blitz through the um left b gap and did not do it so uh, uh bad in both cases there uh that may lead to some additional changes we can talk about that if you want i don't i don't know how close the ravens are but simpson is now on a protracted cold streak uh, that potentially could lead to a change, so we'll see how that that uh, works out. Um, I, I, I thought, uh, aside from that, I thought they did a really good job with sending six or seven, uh, and and frustrating Lamar. Lamar backed up, additionally, which puts whatever blocking your tackles do uh, to naught usually, meaning the, the outside guy is is no longer really blocked. You can just leave laterally to, to chase down Lamar. Um, they were fairly effective at that, and Lamar needed to uh, basically have the ball either get it out of his hands quickly or scheme it out. I thought we saw, saw a different Lamar in the second half, which I really liked, a Lamar who is who is very um, aggressively vocal with his teammates. Now, I, I believe, I'm trying to remember if the play was Ronnie Stanley on the left side where – he ran behind him. Right. Emily tries to g- hold out his hand to lift him up and I don't want your hand up.
0: <laughs> you block,
1: you know, He's, effectively. I, I'm sure other words were actually said yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, at the moment, but uh, that looked great. And then Stanley to be ahead on a couple of really big blocks uh, in that second half. looked great.
0: And Bree, I thought Stanley played pretty well. I mean, I think there's been a lot of, conversation about him, especially in the middle of the season, which I think was warranted it at the time. I think the rotations really helped both him and Morgan Moses and Stanley even said after he said that he felt almost as good as he's felt all season playing. And I think it showed up on the film. It,
1: I mean, it, it, it did. His only negative event in this game as we scored it, and we just went through this tonight was the false start. So that's a hell of a game when you can go through a whole game, not allow pressure. The Ravens didn't throw it that many times, but they certainly, they gave up some pressures in this game generally speaking and uh, it, it uh, for the most part was not him. Uh, obviously, for 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 100 of the part was not him in this game. Um, did a good job on two things that I noted specifically. One is he'd had a problem uh, with a quarterback hit that I actually split the responsibility for not matching depth with Simpson on some stunt handoffs. He did that well um, in this game. In one particular where Jackson had the touchdown run, uh, was a nice was a nice uh, uh, stunt handoff between the two of them. Uh, and then uh, uh, I thought that uh, in addition to that, he did a, a good job of continuing to be able to mirror, but also without giving as much ground as he has typically this season. Uh, he, that's, that's been Stanley's game his entire career. He's been, he's been a great mirrorer who has given ground to maintain his mirror. Unfortunately, the trade off between giving ground and mirroring has been more this year than it's ever been before. And, and in this game in particular, I thought he did a really good job of not giving as much ground.
0: And I think now you have – Houston has good pass rushers. John Grenard, Will Anderson, That that's a good defensive line that they stifled there. And, again, they got, their, they got their pressure with blitzes in the first half, but I thought the adjustments were really good. Now you look ahead to Kansas City, Ken, and it's George Karloftis, who's been awesome this season for them. Obviously, Chris Jones in the interior. They have Charles Omenihue, Michael Dana, who, who's done a good job. Another formidable defensive line. How do you think the matchups going to be for for Kansas City versus Baltimore? How good or poor of a matchup do you think the Ravens drew here?
1: Okay, wait, now we're to, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, then, yeah. okay, so uh, I think the Ravens' offensive line does stack up pretty well. The Chiefs are, they're they're they primarily built as a pass defense team. Um, the Ravens should be able to run the ball against them. Uh, they this has been you know you want to talk about 2019 hurting. Uh, still, it's still going to be part of our collective memory. We're still going to remember that game until the day we die. But the 2006 game also is for, for fans who are just a few years older is certainly something that we'll all remember until the day we die Either in terms of the disappointment involved in that, um, the 2006 Colts were a team that they knew they were too small to really handle the Ravens huge offensive line that year. And they knew they had to run blitz a fair amount to do it. And they did it very effectively and really shut down Jamal in the game. And uh, Steve McNair couldn't do much through the air in that game, of course, and and it was something that uh, um, you know, obviously, has been bothering us for a long time. I think it, to, to take for granted Kansas City's defense and saying they can't stop the run, I think they can sell out to stop the run. I think the Ravens need to stay multiple. They need to be, you know, have Lamar. Um, win sometimes with misdirection and at other times by throwing the ball and sometimes just by go ahead and slugging it out with them because that's a that's an area where they should be fine as well so on offense I you know I think that is kind of the central matchup in a way is how multiple the Ravens can maintain their offense against the Chiefs There's gonna be high temptation to run high temptation to you know have long drives and those are good but you got to not deny the the opportunity when it comes up to to take some big shots down the field and get some chunk plays.
0: And we saw some success with Houston, especially, you know, end of that first half when they were spying with Christian Harris. Now, Kansas City has some linebackers that have some of that speed, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton. And they, they can use guys like that. Leo Chanel even they were using as a spy against Josh Allen in the Bills game. How would you expect the Bills to defend Lamar? And, and do you think maybe they would take some from what Houston did at the end of the first half to see if it would work?
1: Um, yes, I think it's very possible that they'll come with pressures that are more than four. I think we'll, we'll see that. I actually honestly don't know where they rank in the league. They're high in sacks, but it it seems to me that a fair amount of that has been coverage based or coverage interwoven that they've, they've gotten a lot with the four man rush as well. I could be wrong. They could be, you know, 35% five man rush, uh, also that's, that's helped them benefit from that. Um, but, but however they decide to do it, um, you have to just not give it away In terms of what you're doing with Lamar, I think the AFC North teams that know Lamar best, they've had probably the most pressure with fast linebackers who anticipate Lamar leaving the pocket and rush then. So the spy or the the off-ball linebacker on the side of the field who's got that short zone on that side his responsibility is rush the quarterback as soon as the pocket is broken. But there's ways you can do that. Either rush it as soon as it's broken, or you rush it as soon as you anticipate him breaking it. And I think when you talk about Wasso Koromoa or um you know, the Bengals linebackers of, you know, including Wilson, who's not, you know, huge foot speed or anything, but but has some quickness and savvy. Um it, it, they want to get him running, uh, get those guys moving before Lamar actually leaves the pocket. I think that's been successful. So I I hope that's something the Chiefs won't. Um, immediately figure out in game plan four. But if I had to say something and give you a little bit of an advantage against Lamar, um, that would be it.
0: Yeah, and you you made a really interesting point about, you know, this being with the North, those teams see Lamar twice in a season. This is the first time Kansas City is going to be facing off against Lamar this year. So coming up, we'll be talking a bit about what that means and if it's an advantage for the Ravens, for the Chiefs, or maybe a little bit of both. Stay tuned for that. we got a lot to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. First, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question: What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And for me, I've had a hundred great experiences over on LinkedIn networking, connecting finding some jobs as well. It's been great. And LinkedIn doesn't just have another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of one of the billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. Hiring is really easy too when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's really important to achieve goals in 2024. The right team member might be able to help you. That. That's why a small businesses write in the jobs. Number one, delivering quality, hires for sitting competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, that's LinkedIn. The process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Push your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash on dot com slash lock on NFL to jump apply. We're back on our second segment. Kevin Allstriker still talking with Ken McCusick here on Locked On Ravens. And Ken, kind of tying back in what I teased with at the end of that first segment. Kansas City, regardless of who it was going to be, Buffalo or Kansas City, neither team had played Lamar in the Ravens this year. Now, it's not like Kansas City and Lamar have never faced off before. It seemed like every year, the first three or four years of Lamar's career. Baltimore and Kansas City were facing off, and that was Lamar's kryptonite, I guess, outside of the Pittsburgh defense, which has also given him some troubles over the course of his career here and there. But do you think it's an advantage? Lamar is twenty and one against the NFC, and I think maybe part of that has to do with the fact that these NFC teams don't see him all that often. Last time the Ravens and Chiefs faced off was twenty twenty one. The Ravens got the better of Kansas City in that game. Do you think, because Houston, that's a team they had seen. That's a team that faced off with them in week one, and we saw what Baltimore did there. Do you think it's any advantage to the Ravens that Lamar hasn't seen the Chiefs this year as an advantage to Kansas City, that maybe they can throw some stuff at him? Where, where do you kind of have the advantage with that? i
1: come at it from a slightly different angle. The Ravens have played six teams that have been three games over 500. <laughs> every one of the teams they played was for the first time this year. They're 6-0 and against them, and they won every game by two touchdowns. This is the best team in football. Um, The Ravens can't forget who they are relative to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a completely fallible football team. Um, On the other hand, you know, they need to be careful with possessions because you can't give them away um, to Mahomes. Uh, And yet the defense is good enough to force some punts. And so it, it, it won't be like like the Bills game was for what three quarters where they had about one punt in the whole game. Um, I I think we're we're going to see we're going to see a little bit of punting on both sides. I think you know obviously you need to avoid turnovers. You need to protect the football as you always did. Lamar's been fantastic at that in these big games this year. So uh, you know I'm I'm hopeful we get another performance like that, and and I'm also hopeful that the crowd plays a role like they did on Saturday.
0: And speaking of that, Jawan Taylor's coming to town, who obviously has been, I think, one of the All-star. most penalized. Yeah, it, it, he might be the most penalized player. Is that the stat? He's the most penalized player in football it, this year? They have
1: they have two of them on that team. Him and Largeria Sneed are, are both among the – Um, most penalized. I'll look it up here right while while we're on the air here, but they they have like the two most penalties,
0: uh, most offensive and most defensive uh, by player. (laughs) That is crazy. And we saw what the crowd noise did to Houston. And look, it's a young team, I get it. But look, with crowd noise like that and you not being able to hear the snap count and and communication isn't there, it can become a mess. And especially with a guy like Jawan Taylor, who has been penalized as much as he has. I mean-
1: I've got some stats for you here. Juwan Taylor penalized 19 times this year. Largerius needs 17 times, despite the fact he's had a good, a good year as a defensive back from most perspective, Those 17 penalties, they count for something able away 11 first downs. Juwan St- Taylor has stalled eight drives. And in total, in terms of false starts, if you're really looking for that, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight false starts and three illegal formation penalties. And what those mean are he's cheating. You get yeah. back off the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, he's eh, uh, it's not in the cheater, cheater ways cheating. He's he's cheating to try and get advantage against that against that pass rusher. So that's uh, a good thing to see in the in the opposing left tackle.
0: And I think last week we saw was pointed out by I think some people that Laramie Tunsil was kind of falling back into a stance a little bit. We saw him get penalized a couple of times. The crowd noise is going to be really key. But on the Kansas City offensive line, they might not have one of their best players in Joe Tooney, who suffered a pec injury against Buffalo. Now, at the time of this recording, we don't know what the severity is he's supposed to go in for an MRI on Monday. So I'm sure there'll be more clarity a little bit later in the day, but Ken, that's big if Joe Tooney isn't able to play because he's one of the best guards in football and with Baltimore's pass rush being as good as it's been with the interior guys generating pressure this season, that could be a huge point in terms of advantage for the Ravens.
1: An enormous potential benefit. And, you know, Texans had one pretty good guard, and one pretty terrible guard in terms of this game. Shaq Mason has been around the NFL for a while. He's a shadow of who he used to be, but he's still not bad. And um, Matavike used him like a sock puppet in this game. I, on the other side, you know, whenever they got whoever matched up against Juice Scruggs, it was a it was pretty much a disaster for the Texans in, in that uh, Van Noy beat him inside on the on the third and one play to trip up the running back for for no gain. Um actually beat him outside you should say. But anyway he 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 beat him. They they he made a lot of mistakes. Um uh it, Shaq Mason kept showing up over all over our notes on the defense. And that's not a good thing. It could be, you know, he made a great block. It wasn't any of those. It was all of them were basically that he that he'd either been beaten inside, been beaten outside, been bold, you know, all the things that the uh, that guy uh, uh, can go wrong and did go wrong in that game. So being being a guard down and having a, um, a you know, a, a lesser experienced player in there, I think probably has the Ravens three tech salivating.
0: Yeah. And I don't know who it would be. I've heard rumblings that, you know, Nick Allegretti would be the guy to replace him who is a center, but again, he could play somewhere else. And Ken, I know we talked Mm -hmm. about that before the show, but another thing is passion Mahomes with his receiving weapons has kind of gone through what Lamar went through in terms of just not having a ton of reliable options, whereas Rasheed rice has been really good for them this year. He stepped up in a big way. Travis Kelsey had a good game against Buffalo, but he's kind of looked like a shell of what he has been over the course of his career but other than Rice and Kelsey, Justin Watson had a huge drop in the Buffalo game, and, and you have – Kadarius Tony didn't play in this one, but he's been a disaster, so I don't think it would have mattered really that much for them. Sky Moore has been a bust for him. If Baltimore's secondary gets back Marlon Humphrey this week, with the way Brandon Stevens is playing, Ronald Darby's been incredible for them this year as a really underrated signing by Eric Acosta. I feel like that's a huge advantage for the Ravens because if you can shut down Rasheed Rice and you can get maybe – whoever you want to match up on Travis Kelsey. I feel like Baltimore's secondary just completely outmatches what Kansas City has from a pass catching perspective right now.
1: Incredible that we'd be saying that at this time in the year, right. given where we were at the end of camp with the Ravens just decimated. And, um, you know, they didn't even start the year with Rocky has seen starting and he's, he's seen relatively limited time this year. Ronald Darby comes in he's immediately an outside corner and has given up the fifth fewest yards per target in the entire NFL this season among, among guys with the, uh, Three or three hundred or more targets, uh, just you know, ridiculous the 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 point they're in, and I think you know it's interesting because we're just talking about this on my show tonight. Is is I think this is going to be something that Harbaugh points to in future years when there are injury problems, and he says next man up as he goes. Look, you guys feel sorry for yourself, or you can look at what happened with the two thousand twenty three Ravens and the way they pulled it together when everybody was hurting in that secondary, and uh, and were able to perform very well. It's very scheme driven. The, the the McDonald's system limits the responsibilities of the corners in a way that is extremely positive for this group. And they've been good enough against the run to stop it anyway. Those six man box uh, plus, you know, at, at times a, uh, a big nickel formation where they can have Hamilton in there on the slot, uh, who's obviously provides a, a lot of additional run defense as well. So it's, it's I, I love, um, you know, what this team has done in the secondary. I wouldn't go as far as to say the individual players are great. Steven's had a good year. Darby's had a very good year within the system. Um, And Molet is having a good year, I think, with the system. Great game this last week. But uh, um, I I wouldn't go to say that they're a matchup nightmare for opposing, you know, (laughs) wide receiver groups or anything.
0: They've They've done a good job. And I think that for me a key part of this is, you know, Eric Acosta fighting these guys and having them inserted and finding guys who fit the system and fit their roles really well. And I think you can even, you know, talk about on offense. Nelson Aguilar has a touchdown in this game. He's been perfect in the role he's played, but Isaiah Pacheco is kind of the other offensive weapon you have to worry about. If you're playing Kansas city, he's a hard runner, probably one of the hardest runners in the entire NFL, but Baltimore's run defense was suffocating on Saturday against Houston. They could get nothing going Houston's run offense hasn't been great the entire season. Now, a lot of part of that has to do with they gave the keys to Damian Pierce to start the year, and he was a disaster. Once they handed it over to Nevin Singletary, looked a little better. But Michael Pierce, disruptor, just Metabike had a couple of great plays. Travis Jones got involved. Clowney, there's such a physical front. And we talked about Joe Tooney not being in there. If you can stop Pacheco, I think that's huge. And I think the Ravens can do it. Their run defense has been suspect at times this season they gave up over 170 to Cleveland in their loss they gave up back to back 150 yard games to end the year but stopping Pacheco is a big key for them and I think their front has the guys to do it
1: it's a feature not a bug is what I say about the Ravens defense in terms of them not being able to stop the run quote unquote they choose not to stop the run they choose to stop the pass more effectively and not stop the run because of it uh kansas city has got a decent um uh rushing team but that's it they're right in the middle of the pack without tooney that definitely drops them a notch in terms of where they'd be but they're about 17th in DVOA in the nfl uh dvoa if you want to pronounce it the correct way i guess but it's it's one of those things that um the texans came in with a 30th ranked dvoa despite um having damian pierce who was a good back last year who had a terrible year and Singletary has had a pretty decent yards per carry this year, but is has not really been that good situationally. Um, and, and they completely shut them down. I think the Ravens would be in a position to do some very effective things uh, against the, the Chiefs' run game uh, just by by lining up as they have pretty much the entire year. And I think that the, the Eddie Reed is, is an offensive-minded uh, coach, and he certainly is going to uh, put his stamp on this and find some way he thinks he can beat the Ravens. And we got to hope that Mike McDonald is up to that challenge
0: in terms of finding the great counters. Great coaching matchups all across the board, honestly, with, with these two teams. And coming up in the final part of the show, we're going to be talking about more Baltimore keys, more advantages the Ravens could exploit against Kansas City in their AFC Championship matchup. Stay tuned, planning to get to on Locked on Ravens. this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And the you know, for regular season it's all wrapped up. We're full swing in the playoffs, but there's still some time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. guaranteed money place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live in game parlays. You get five bets in the new sports type, you can make a parlay in the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays. And so much more over so the Ravens game. I said it maybe you stacked some of those anytime touchdowns for a parlay. Isaiah likely Nelson Aguilar, both goes guys score. Maybe you picked the Ravens outright, could have made yourself a lot of money over on FanDuel that way. So visit slash locked on, make your first better lap. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We're back rounding out locked on Ravens with Ken McCusick. I am Kevin Ostriker and Ken. I think that when people were watching that Buffalo and Kansas City game, there were definitely a contingent of Ravens fans that really wanted to play Buffalo and a contingent of Baltimore fans that really wanted to play Kansas City. I think either way, you're not scared if you're the Ravens. As you said earlier on the show, this is the best team in football, and I'm not necessarily worried about either team. But if you had to pick which one, whether it was Buffalo or Kansas City, would have been the better matchup for the Ravens? Would you have won Buffalo or are you totally fine with Kansas City?
1: I'm really. I think I'm totally fine with either. I mean, I, it's hard for me to really base it on injuries to to a great degree. Buffalo got some guys back. They Russell Douglas was back in their lineup. Uh, uh, Teron Johnson was back. Um, those are two very important defensive backs. Um, they're still without Benford. Uh, they had lost a linebacker this week that uh, uh, Bernard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Bernard. So. And and, and he, I don't think I don't he didn't play this week, but remarkably is taken off on a cart and, and it, x-rays were negative, which is about the most unusual combination of circumstances ever. But but he he potentially could be back to play again. So um, anyway, now that we know it's 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 the Chiefs and not the Bills, I would say that, um, uh, you know, the Ravens will will not be too concerned about, about who they're facing. The chiefs have their own problems. You mentioned Tooney. They've got some problems in the defensive backfield as well. They certainly got a lot of problems at wide receiver in terms of just the quality of players and not just who's hurt. Um, But, but Kadarius, Tony missed this, this game. Don't know if he's planning to, to to be back next week. Um, It'll, I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I think the Ravens are very good at taking away the deep pass. They did so fairly well in this game. Now, I mean, you look at all the statistics. They did get eight first downs passing. But I've got to ask the question on on our show is, when have we ever seen a quarterback or the Ravens have zero sacks and zero takeaways in one game and play a game this well? And, you know, first of all, I look back for some of the great defensive season. There hasn't been such a game. So the 2000 team, they had a sack in all but two games, even though they only had 30-some sacks on the year. And They had a takeaway, but I think in every game, but anyway, they didn't have any game with zero and zero. Right. And 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 they, they didn't have it certainly didn't have any game with zero sacks this year. So you'd start with that and they have a bunch of takeaways. There just have not been very many of those games in Ravens history. And and to keep them out of the red zone right. the entire game, zero for zero in the red zone is just uh, marvelous.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at where the Ravens won that game, there are multiple aspects, but them going four for five and the Texans going zero for zero, yeah definitely is probably the biggest one to me. Baltimore also held the ball for I think what, 37 minutes and they were efficient in doing so in the second half. It was, it kind of all came together in, in what we wanted to see from them. But I think also a key point, Ken, is the Mark Andrews situation. I want to kind of hear where you are because I likely has been great since filling mm-hmm. in for him. And there are some people that are saying, well, Mark's going to mess it up and this is gonna, it's not going to work. I'm not on that. Trey, and obviously Mark is, I still think, your best pass-catching weapon if you're the Ravens, and he makes you better regardless, works over the middle of the field really well. But how would you utilize those two guys? Because Baltimore didn't necessarily run a ton of two tight end sets when both guys were healthy.
1: And they have they have some overlapping skill set. There's no doubt about it. So, I mean, one thing, just start with playing them rotationally. If if you want to have one on the field all the time, and and Ravens almost never – play without a tight end or even just with one one tight end that's Ricard. say um they almost never do that so if you want to if you want a true receiving tight end on the field at all times if you want to go pitch count you can do that and you can keep both more rested it does take some snaps away from likely from what he's had recently which i think is a little unfortunate but on the other hand you, you you get a more rested andrews out of the deal and you you might get a more rested likely as well so you might you might gain some advantage there Fresh legs coming on. I'm always for that uh, offense or defense. I like it. Like it to be done that way. Um, so anyway, I, I I would not mind that. In terms of do you do anything really special? I think most of that is related to to what kind of shape Andrews is in. If he's really ready to go, he'll play a fair number of snaps, meaning half the snaps probably at least. If he's if he's if there's any questionable nature, the same goes for Humphrey. Then he'll, he'll play rotation, and and uh, you know he'll he'll be in and out of there. He'll be used situationally. Some. Uh, likely has been too damn good to really lose a substantial portion of his role has nothing to do with Andrews, but he's just been he's been too good at it. And his yards per target in particular it was eleven point five coming into the Houston game, which would be the uh, for the for the six games with Andrews out. And it's not an insignificant number of targets. It was like twenty eight, I think um, uh, during that time. That would be the highest um, rate in Raven's history for anybody with twenty five or more targets. So it, uh, the record is actually Andrews in his rookie year was 11.04. So, you know, more targets, usually a little bit less efficiency on the margin of those targets, but I would like to see, I would like to see likely out there a lot.
0: Yeah. I think that he's, he has been too good. And whether you want to, again, I don't know how much they would run two tight end sets. I don't think you want to switch stuff up too much in what you're already doing here. I think the offense is in just too much of a rhythm right now, but both guys deserve to play. I think Andrew's coming back should not just eliminate Isaiah Likers. Well, nor, nor do I think it will. I think Baltimore will play those two guys. But you mentioned Humphrey, and I want to say and ask you about, well, if he comes back and he's not necessarily a full 100%, which I guess I'm not expecting him to be at this point, what would he do if he's back? How would he be able to change what Baltimore could do and how they could defend Kansas City? What, is he, what does he open up for them?
1: Uh, well, first of all, his physicality is very useful. Period. When you're in a game uh, of any sort, if you mention a runner like Pacheco who runs hard, you can get him involved in making those kinds of tackles. I don't think Humphrey's injury should be such at this point. When you're at the in the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl, that you say take it easy. We want to have you next week. I think right. it, this, you know, the future is now. Okay, in terms of of getting him on the field and and having him play physical, uh, hard nosed football. I think he brings you a lot of that. Um, and and it's very positive. In particular, within McDonald's system, with limited responsibility underneath of these corners, he's that much more valuable with his physicality. So I think he'll he'll be a valuable player. Um, the Ravens may also decide that he'll he'll jump in and rotate with uh, with Darby, who's been terrific. Um, or he, he may even see some action in the slot. If you uh, you know, one of the things if you put him in on the slot, there's probably a set group of snaps where you want him for. Um, maybe it's maybe it's taking Mallette let snaps, which I really I am not all that happy about since Malette has played pretty well recently, but uh, but the guy I really don't want him taking snaps away from the slot is Hamilton because Hamilton has been an eraser, uh, a uh, uh, you know a half side of the field denier, uh, and he's he's the best horizontal defender in the NFL right now.
0: Yeah, he he's been incredible, and I think when it comes to defending Patrick Mahomes, Ken, there are a ton of looks you can throw at him. Obviously, he's seen plenty over the course of his career. He's had success against the Ravens before, but this is a whole different animal of a Ravens defense. and something I don't think Mahomes has seen before in terms of Baltimore. If you're the Ravens, how are you pressuring him? How are you defending against him to make sure that he can't bite off any chunk plays and can't make plays with his legs? Well,
1: you're, you're, you start with too high. You you make him see that. You make him, you know, he's Patrick Mahomes. He's still going to be able to figure some stuff out about that. I think you, you go with the more conservative pass rush. I think back to 2020 game, I believe it was, I believe this is Queens. It might've been the 2019 game. They, they blitzed Patrick Mahomes and he threw for something like 15 yards per throw on the times where they um, rushed an extra man against him. And, and that's just, you know, you can't do it. So nobody reads hot better than Patrick Mahomes. Just don't show him the same looks, um, there's things you, you you probably also shouldn't do. Dropping your interior lineman is probably going to be less successful. So exotic blitzes of that type. But if you try and get home with four against this line, I mean you got good guard and three tech options. You got Michael Pierce who can give trouble for anybody. You got stunts that can get home. Um, Mahomes likes to take his time in the pocket um, with a lot of his plays and 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 get good ample time and space throws. You can deny those with stunts. They take a little bit longer to develop, but you can deny those. I, I like. Uh, I like the idea of mixing up some elements of deception, but at a limited degree with generally very conservative numbers.
0: Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, Mahomes is hes going to make plays, right? It, it's about limiting that and making sure, you know, sometimes the, the best offense, if you're trying to get Mahomes off the field, I guess the best defense is Ravens offense, maybe holding the ball a little bit and just not giving Mahomes extra possessions, which could really help too. But Ken, to wrap it up here, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you don't like the matchup at all and 10 being it's perfect for the Ravens, wh- where are you on that scale?
1: I mean, if you're talking about between the Bills and the Chiefs, 5. But if, you, if you're if you talking about, like, would would it be even better to be facing Joe Flacco and the Browns right now? Probably. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you're it, – it's just uh, – I don't have a particular feeling about it, honestly, (laughs) for that kind of rating system.
0: I mean, they're they're that good of a team this year where they've passed every test. They are the test now. And to me, if I'm Baltimore, again, I'm just not scared of anybody. The the Chiefs offense is not the Chiefs offense of years past. The defense is a lot better than the Chiefs defenses of years past. But the offense is in rhythm right now, and I think it's going to be important. You know, get off to a fast start, and it could happen. Now, we've seen, and I think the most encouraging thing to me, Ken, was we saw them get punched in the mouth at the end of that first half against Houston. Now, what they didn't do in 2019 was they didn't respond to getting punched in the mouth. They kind of laid down and, and Tennessee did their thing. They responded this time around, and I think that's what gives me confidence because it was almost like getting over that division around Hump. You kind of talked about it. Those narratives that were being talked about, they're 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 past that now. I, the, the rust is gone. They played a playoff game, and I think that's at least to me where I'm hopeful and that they can just take care of business here and it not really be an issue.
1: I mean I, I would largely agree. I think the breaking of all the narratives releases a lot of pressure. And I also think what we saw from Lamar in terms of his leadership on field, um, and and what we think happened in the clubhouse as well, very, very positive development for this team. Um, the Roquan Smith um demeanor of basically having a high standard for everyone in his unit is extremely good. Um, you know, it, it's, I keep talking about this on, on my show, but but it, the the thing that, that was really special about Roquan Smith is him letting the, the player get up, I think it was the Titans game, uh, off the field so the clock could run down to within enough few seconds of two minutes so he could be retackled. That is such a third-level thinking in terms of, of, of play, it, and it demands more from every other player on the 53 in terms of their awareness on field. Roquan can go to any of them now and basically say, look, you got to know not to score on that play or, Hey, look, we're, that's not what we're trying to do. You got to stay loose and and, and come up and make that tackle, um, you know, on-field awareness, very valuable. And I think the Ravens are gaining some of that from Lamar Jackson as well. Uh, you know, it, it's, it is just fine if Ronnie Stanley knows exactly where his bread is better bread is buttered. And he, by the way, he, he did know that before, but I think the fact that, that Lamar Jackson refuses his hand to get up is a pretty clear signal of I'm not happy with the way that went, fix it. And we saw great fixes from Roddy in that second half.
0: Oh, it's great! I remember that Titans play was Conquo, I think it was, and yeah, it didn't let him up off. The, it's like a sixth sense he has, and yeah. we, we just see how locked in this team is. How locked in Lamar, Roquan, those two are—you know—the leaders on both sides of the ball there. But they've had this goal all year, and I, I can even go back to Week Six, or when you know when they played Detroit, Week Seven, I guess it was, and they gave up a touchdown to end the shutout or they gave up a touchdown to end that shutout was it two field goals or two well maybe it was a field goal i can't remember what it was, what was it? it was there, 32
1: to 6 i think i think it was two field goals but maybe i'm thinking of the seattle game you might be right
0: both games were so dominant yeah. i'll look it up quickly here as we're talking but whatever game it was i remember you know patrick queen and roquan and all these players were saying i'm just so mad that we gave up the points at the end of the game i, th- I think it was might have been the seattle game when they gave up the field goal at the end because that was 37 to three, right about it being yep. the two field goals. They gave, they gave up a field goal at the end of the second quarter. And the players can only talk about how they didn't get a shutout. They didn't get a shutout. And it's been that level of perfection. They've been chasing the entire season. And that to me is it embodies this whole Ravens team. So my favorite part of that whole press conference too, Ken, was he talked about it. Lamar was asked who, who talked to the team at halftime. He said, it was me. she said, it was me. I pounded my chest and, and he didn't say what he said because, obviously, he said it was too inappropriate. But that's the type of leadership you need. He walks off the field with five seconds to go in the half. And you can see the look in his eye was, this is not happening to me again in the second half. We, we are going out there with a different mentality. And it's just a, it's a different time. That 2019 team was young. And even though they were historic, sometimes you have to go through that failure and fail a couple times to get to where you want to go. And, and I think it's kind of perfect because of that whole storybook to where we are right now.
1: By the way, you're right, Jameer Gibbs did score a touchdown for Detroit, so well could have been that one that broke the oh, shutout in the fourth okay. quarter. So anyway, I uh, apologize for that. But anyway, I, I I agree. I think that the 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 narrative breaking, the leadership, I mean, the Ravens have got everything going their way. I think that, the, that they are very well-rested and very healthy. I have not heard anything about Gus Edwards yet today. Anything
0: come out about him? I, I haven't heard anything, no.
1: Okay. So he's the, he's the one guy I'm worried about. Um, I don't think they can easily replace him. Uh, otherwise, I don't think Dalvin Cook is really the guy to replace him, although he'll, he'll probably be okay if he needs to take on a bigger workload. But uh, anyway, I, I think the Ravens are in very good shape here.
0: Yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens on Sunday, 3 p.m. If or anybody thought that last week was crazy in Baltimore, this upcoming week is about, about to be a whole different animal in terms of the electricity in the city. Of course, going to be some nervous energy in there as well. Baltimore's proven they can take on these challenges, and I have a pretty good feeling about them for Sunday. Ken, I appreciate your time, though. Thanks so much for hopping on with me. Again, hopefully the Ravens can make it to their third Super Bowl. They're 2-0 so far in those big games. Hopefully they can make it there and make it 3-0. and I'm excited for it. Tell people where they can find you and what you're working on here as we gear up for a big week in Baltimore.
1: So as you can you can see this, unless you're listening to the podcast, I'm at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. Eight hours of content per week, eight different shows uh, come out. Uh, two on the defense, two on the offense. One on uh, Friday morning GM. One is called One Last Thing. Another Know Your Foe episode and a matchups episode. So we, we'll be prov- providing two of those this week, looking ahead to the uh, Kansas City game, which is probably the biggest thing to look for this week.
0: Yeah, all, all those links to Ken's work in the description below on YouTube, obviously check him out. He does great work, really in-depth knowledge of the game. Ken, I appreciate your time again. Thanks so much. And thank you for tuning in to Locked on Ravens today. Again, be sure to subscribe here on YouTube, follow along in audio form. It's the same show either way you're listening or watching, so you're not missing out on any content here. We'll be right back here tomorrow, of course, talking more Ravens and talking that AFC championship matchup between the Ravens and the Chiefs. Stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.